Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to episode 103 of Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast about inspiring and equipping you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of, Beyond the Rut. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, Brandon Cunningham is going to join me and you, as well as a new friend of ours, Scott Allen Turner, the financial rock star. Scott Allen Turner is the host of the podcast, The Scott Allen Turner Show, which is also syndicated on a radio station in Los Angeles, California. And he's going to talk with us about his story of hitting a financial rut. In fact, he calls himself a money moron when he was in his 20s. And then just within a few short years, he turned himself into a millionaire by just applying a few simple habits on a regular basis, applying the lessons that he observed his parents applying in their lives that he just wished he had applied sooner. Now today in his 40s, he is helping people all across the world make these simple habits stick in their lives so that they themselves can have financial freedom and live the lives they've always dreamed of. So here we go now. All right, Brandon, welcome back to your own show. Hope you've been doing well since the last episode. I need a haircut. Yes, you do. And, you know, <laughs> you got to shave the beard because I'm just jealous. That's all. Between the headphones and the microphone, uh, yeah. hair just doesn't work. <laughs> I don't know what it is. And, and being half Asian, I can never grow a full beard. So take that. Um, anyway, we got financial just rocks. offended <laughs> half the Asian audience, but okay. It's cool. I, I, I kind of half offended myself. So there we go. Uh, but we have with us financial rock star, Scott Allen Turner, and you heard all about him during the intro, uh, but here he is uh, live in the flesh. Scott, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thanks, Jerry and Brandon, for having me on the show. Awesome. And you'll notice Scott is clean shaven too, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do need a haircut as well, though. <laughs> hey, there you go. Uh, now, um, we, we got you calling in from Dallas, and I, I gave you a little warning before we started recording that uh, I love to kick off all of our episodes with a little icebreaker. It's a game I call Six Degrees of Separation Fact or Fiction. And so I'm going to do is ask you to tell us within six degrees of separation how you're connected to the one and only Renee Zellweger, uh, Brandon's favoritist actress in the whole wide, wide world, if not the universe. And then after you tell us how you're connected to Renee Zellweger, Brandon has to guess if what you just told us is fact or fiction. Uh, so it's kind of like a test of his trust in you in a way. And, <laughs> or your ability to lie. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, it's a lot of fun. I, I like seeing him try to guess and usually be wrong. So uh, if you'll go ahead and let us know within six degrees how you're connected to the one and only Renee Zellweger, who had us all at hello. Six degrees. So do I need to list out all six connections to get there or four or five? Four or five. Is yeah, fine. it's within six. So <laughs> Within six. Okay. So someone who contacted me via my show one time, he's a dancer. And he moved to New York City looking for a dancing gig and a work. He got picked up over the summer traveling around through Canada and dancing on a big tour. And some of the people that he met there were in New York City. He's trained with would have likely worked in some of the oh, what do they call them? the uh, events that go on in New York City where she would have performed in that famous movie that she was in. Yeah, you see how good I am at uh, Chicago <laughs> <laughs> movies and such a Broadway Broadway. There's what I'm looking for. <laughs> and, and, and that would probably put at least three to four degrees to get to Renee. Fact or fiction? I think that's probably fact. That seemed pretty legitimate. 
That is correct. Yes. Uh, what? Come oh, on. you got one right again. Oh man, <laughs> I used to win this game. Scott uh, just looked like a guy that knew a guy that knew a guy that knew her. <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, when you have met as many people as he has, yeah, that, that is true. Uh, now, I do want the record to show that Brandon knew the title for Chicago. Yeah, so. I did. I did not. I didn't even couldn't even remember Broadway. <laughs> what are those show things? I love that. What do you call those things that are on Broadway? Oh, Broadway shows. Yeah, but you didn't yeah, have a very specific ask me about a rock musical. Show. I was like, oh yeah, I can tell you that Madison Square Garden, Metallica, but Broadway. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, probably not going to go there anytime soon. <laughs> Well, Scott, thanks for joining us. Uh, I know that, you know, we kind of came across you and, and your story. And uh, initially my first thought was, you know, this is a beyond the rut kind of story because you just got yourself in that rut. And, and like most of us, at some point you decide I'm sick and tired of being here. So tell us a little bit about kind of how you got started and then we'll get to what you're doing now and, and kind of how that's turned into a career. Sure thing. I got out of college, had an IT degree, and I was what you'd call normal, a big consumer. So, <laughs> and within a few months of starting my first job, I went out and bought a very nice, shiny new Jeep. Didn't know anything about financing, interest rates, had this huge car loan. Uh, along with that, I had some student loans I was working on paying off as well. And got into some credit card debt as well, buying an awesome stereo and alarm system for my Jeep, which every 21-year-old should have. (laughs) From there, uh, progressed pretty well in my job, but didn't get my financial life together. Bought an even bigger and nicer car. And from there, an awesome house with a massive mortgage. Awesome. Listen to some bad advice from my boss, who was a nice guy. He just gave me some bad advice. (laughs) Who said, buy as much house as the bank will let you. (laughs) And I came pretty darn close, but after moving into my house, I had an $800 a month car payment, a really big mortgage, an empty savings account, and some awesome furniture, which I also financed on credit. And at that point in my life, I realized this is not a good situation. I was single, bachelor, living um, one income with this home and realized, you know, something could go terribly wrong here. Yeah, you're just a good American. Yes. <laughs> So how old were you at this time? Mid twenties, early. That was 20s? about age twenty five is when 25. I moved into my house. Awesome. And uh, at that point, I woke up one day. I was like, "This is not a good place to be." Empty bank account, <laughs> lots of bills, single income. Started listening to this guy on the radio. I listened. Uh, lived in Atlanta at the time. A guy named Clark Howard. He's been on the radio for almost thirty years. Big consumer advocate. Yeah. And he talked about, "Hey, you should have an emergency fund. Hey, here's why you should not have private mortgage insurance on your house. Yeah, you <laughs> look out for these things when you go out and finance uh, furniture. Uh, all basically every mistake that he talked about, I had made, <laughs> which is pretty common. Most people do. <laughs> right now, when where you grew up, were your parents that way? Did they teach you anything financially, or was that just kind of one of those?" go to college, get a good job, and buy stuff kind of upbringing? Uh, The big lesson they gave me, which I've heard a lot of people get from their parents, is just save. Save. You need to save some money. But my dad, he worked for the town. He had a pension for retirement. He never invested in the stock market or anything like that. My mom was a homemaker. She worked part-time at a coffee shop. They never owned a home their entire lives, always rented. And we lived out in the country, too. It's not like we were living in downtown New York City where it's very common to rent. Small town. We just rented. They bought used cars, never had car loans, never had credit cards, and they had their pension to take care of them during retirement and Social Security. 
So none of those lessons uh, I ever received growing up other than, hey, you should save. <laughs> so <you> just <laughs> save. At some point, that just is supposed to fall into place, which is funny because when we're young and we're barely making any money, it's like, I can't afford to save anything. It's all going out the window. I can't save $5 a month. You know, that's where that emergency fund really is a basic idea. If you just put away 10, 15 bucks a month, you'll eventually get there to that emergency fund. Yeah, emergency fund is very important. It's one of the things that allowed me to go from corporate life, uh, branching out into the entrepreneurial space. I had a three to six month emergency fund at that time. And I thought to myself, you know, in the worst case scenario, the business doesn't pan out what I'm doing on my own. I've got six months to figure it out. I can cover my mortgage, my insurance, just the basic needs, go back and get a job or start another business if I needed to. I love that mentality too. We talked to so many people that that's, that's how they got started. They thought, you know, worst case scenario, I'll walk down the street and get another job. I mean, every place is hiring. You can get something <laughs> until you figure out what you really ultimately want to do. Failure is not fatal. You know, you just, Give it a shot. See what happens. And I bet that emergency fund of three to six months gives you a little bit more leeway too, because that can supplement whatever credit job you get. You know, like, so you go for <laughs> it. It failed. You got to get any credit job. Well, you're not living like in squalor because you can supplement it with that emergency fund until right. you're fully back on your feet. Um, I don't know if that is sound advice or not. So we'll see what Scott <laughs> says right after this. No, that's great advice. I had a six month emergency fund myself. And you're right. If you can get a job making half as much as you used to, you're not draining that account as fast. That gives you even more time to ride it out and find a better job or pick up a second job, get a promotion, move a la laterally within the company to er increase your income. Now, did that first business work out the first one you started? It did. It worked out for a number of years. I made the move. It was not a particularly great time in my life. I was working a regular corporate job and then I'd work evenings and nights at this side business. I did that for three years. And during those three years, never made a dollar with a side <laughs> business. I had some great business partners and just the plan was, you know, as we make money, each one of us is going to peel off from our full-time job. I was the third one to do that. I called my business partner one day, said, hey, totally burnt out. I've been doing this for three years, making no money. Uh, do we have enough to pay my mortgage and insurance and I can eat? Yeah. <laughs> he said, yeah. I took a 65% pay cut, resigned my corporate job about two weeks later and made the move. I love that because you, you were invested in it. You, you have to sacrifice, you know, the people listening, I'm sure somebody's saying, but I can't go three years on a side business without making any money. Well, then you're not really committed to it. You know, if you've got an idea and you have a passion, you're going to have to put in a lot of time. Maybe it's three months, maybe it's three years, but you're going to have to put in some time of sacrifice for it to be worth something. Yeah, nothing in life that is great is generally easy to get. Except I did hear that the, the, the Powerball is up to five hundred million uh, this weekend. <laughs> I just Wait, saw that in the I news gotta go. today. <laughs> we'll be right back after I need to this. A dollar. <laughs> the problem no, with Powerball is all your relatives come out. They all yeah, find you. <laughs> no, it's, you, you get to work hard. Uh, financial independence. It's re early retirement. Having a paid-for house. None of that stuff is easy. It takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of sacrifice. But it's it's worth it. And you have to commit to. For me, it was three years to branch out on my own. I was able to retire early, but I worked 15 years on my own and my own businesses <laughs> in order to be able to do that. 
Uh, that's a long time, but it's a heck of a lot shorter than working for 40 years until age 65, 70, whatever, or never retiring. There's a lot of people in that boat, unfortunately. Right. And and you're young enough to have, have seen that, you know, without a pension, Social Security may not be there when we get there because, you know, the guys running it really have no idea what they're doing financially. So uh, Social Security, we might get like 20 bucks a month or something by the time, you know, we reach that age. So the fact that you it hit you, you were, you were a slave to all these other entities. You wanted to be your own boss, which it generally means you work for somebody who's a real hard nose that wants you to work 20 hours a day and work really hard. But if you put in that time, now you're retired from, I guess, having to do things, you get to do what you want to do. Yeah. To me, the definition of early retirement, financial independence is that you get to work because you want to and not because you necessarily have to. Right. You get to say no to what you want to say no to and yes to what you want to say yes to. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people enjoy traveling. Uh, Myself and my wife are definitely in that um, camp as well. So, you know, we just got back from Ireland spending eight days there and we got a bunch of other vacations lined up this year as well. That to me is what we funnel our funds into. It's how we choose to enjoy our time together, sometimes with our kids as well. Uh, we left them off this trip. <laughs> we still love you kids, but we yes. love each other more. So <laughs> we love you. We're out of here. See you in eight days. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that would not have been possible with all the sacrifice early on in both when I was single and when we were married as well. There was a lot of sacrifice during that time, a lot of time spent to be able to achieve what we have. So you had to be on the same page. You had to be equal in, in kind of your focus on what you were trying to accomplish. She can't be out there, you know, trying to ruin the plan while you're trying to work the plan. You need to be on the same page. Was that pretty much from the time you started dating moving forward or did it take her a little while to get on to what you had gotten on to? It was, she learned a lot from her family about money, her grandparents as well, growing up. And she came out of college without student loans. She had a car loan. When we first got married, we're very similar. I was a little more of the frugal side at that point, just because of what I had gone through. And she was slightly more of a spender. She's not a big spender, but she likes stuff like decorating, which I don't care about. <laughs> so, you know, we got to have a painting on the wall or a picture. It's like, eh, all right, I guess. Yeah. So about six months after we were married, she said, you know, we need to go sit down with a third party. And we looked around for financial planners and I hemmed and hawed at it for quite a long time. Finally, we sat down with one. We met with one that uh, was agreeable with both of us. And he said, you know, Scott, you got to loosen the reins a little bit. Women like to nest. They like <laughs> to decorate and make things nice. You guys got the money to do this. So, you know, let Katie go decorate the house and make it look nice. It's not going to sink your retirement. And so I had to learn that from someone else. And it was great advice. It improved our marriage, our relationship, made the wife happy. And I was on board with that. So that's something I recommend to people is ask for someone who's not you to uh, <laughs> help you out. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I know that that's one of the things that you, one of the pieces of advice that you give is uh, meet with the financial planner. But what if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, well, but I don't have any money. I mean, I don't have like assets or investments and uh, all this money that a, a financial planner is is going to be interested in, when would you say somebody should meet with an, with a financial planner? And it varies from person to person, whether they're single or in a relationship, just as a general guideline, somebody who's in their twenties, just getting started out, you know, you don't need to meet with somebody to figure out how to fix your 401k. If you don't have a lot of assets, there's no point, but 
the younger you start and if you have the plan of, all right, I'm going to achieve financial independence or I'm going to save a million dollars or whatever, the more you increase your income, the more it pays to have uh, an awesome tax person in your corner and an awesome advisor who can give you advice, keeping you from making stupid money mistakes. We work with our advisor for the 12 years that we've been married and he's really been a go-to guy on a number of occasions saying, yeah, you can do this. No, I probably wouldn't do that getting us into some other investments we may not have been aware of. It's, I think it's extremely valuable for everyone to at least have it in the back of their mind that someday this is probably going to be valuable. And as you approach retirement, it's even more and more important so that you don't run out of money before you run out of life. Right, which a lot of people do. But that's another part of the, you know, being a great American. We, we run out of money before we run out of life. And an, another thing that you had suggested too, one of your tips was to make your lunch every day take take your lunch with you to work which i do and i've i've done for a really long time because i probably for the same reason i'm like i don't want to pay 7 to 10 dollars every day for lunch and it's unhealthy so if i make my lunch I, i'm just saving money right off the bat i think i learned that from my dad he always he worked for the town so he had a lunch box or lunch pail <laughs> and he would bring it to work each day he was out on the road out in the country and with well, all the small town we were in it had one restaurant. So it wasn't really a whole lot of options compared to somebody who might live in the city or in the suburbs where I'm got like a thousand restaurants within a square mile of my house. <laughs> right. Can drive through anything now. And so what is something else, somebody who maybe they're in their twenties, what would you say if you were only going to listen to one piece of advice and not, uh, you know, maybe see a financial planner or start taking your lunch, which is a good idea health wise and money wise. But what's that one piece of advice that you would tell them if you're only going to listen to me once hear this, <laughs> the, the turning point in my financial life when I was in the house is that I sold my expensive car and I got rid of that $800 a month car <laughs> payment. I've gone back and I've done the math between my first two vehicles. If I had just not purchased them at all, kept the car I had in college and then moved into or purchased my junky truck, which I got after I sold the car, skip the first two vehicles between the depreciation, the interest, the insurance, invested all that money at age 65, 70, I'd have another $1.4 million. Wow. <laughs> On top I can of tell you, I did not drunk. get $1.4 million of enjoyment <laughs> out of those two cars. <laughs> now, now, what was what was each car probably worth? All totaled, uh, I had the Jeep and then my sports car, but the total was $30,000 <laughs> in lost money. And that is the average car right. that people buy today off the lot. And they financed $29,000 of it. So probably 99% of people are in this situation. They've got a million dollars that they could have in retirement, but it's sitting out in the parking lot. That's such good. And and the depreciation is just astronomical. It's, it's happening. Like, what is it? Sand in a little hourglass. It's just falling as I you're sitting there. I heard somebody there. say like $4,000 off the, the price you pay the moment you drive off the lot with it in your name. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's about 20, 25%. And then the more expensive the vehicle, the more you lose. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I want something really fancy and nice. And it's funny because I have a 20 year old son. He's a welder and we got him set up in his own IRA and, and showed him how to do all of that stuff in an emergency fund. And he wanted a brand new truck when he got his first real job, you know, and I, I told him, I said, if you buy a car or buy a truck that's about two, three, four years old, somebody else has already depreciated, you'll be so thankful for it. And he got a Toyota Tundra that was about four years old, and he's never thought that was a bad idea at all. Yeah. He's always appreciated that advice. Yeah, it is great advice for people not buying new cars, buying as used as you can get. My car right now, 
I've got a 2007 Honda Fit. Uh, it's got 100, almost 120,000 miles on it. I've been driving it for 10 years now. And the amount of money I've saved by not having a three, $400 a month car payment for the past 10 years, I mean, is, it, it adds up. And I love cars. I think people love the cars that are an extension of their sales. But I think when people sit down and say, what's more important to me than a $300, $400 a month car payment? Oh, maybe retiring 10 years early, have another million dollars in the bank. That can change your perception of buying the new vehicle. Yeah, I'm really blown away by that. Like you're talking about a $30,000 car. If you kept that and paid off the entire note, you probably would have paid, what, forty five, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 total for a $30,000 car. And its future value, if you let that money go to work <laughs> for you, was worth $1.4 million. That that still blows my mind. It's like nope. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, another example I gave in the, the book that I wrote was uh, called the $64,000 pizza. <laughs> if you if you spend 20 bucks a month on, sorry, $20 a week, Friday night pizza, uh, 15, actually it was $13.88. That's the average cost of pizza. You do that once a week over your lifetime, it comes out to about $64,000 worth of pizza. <laughs> wow. Which if you like pizza, that's awesome. And you've yeah. got room in your budget to do it, but you got to think about that. <laughs> that's an expensive <laughs> you got pizza. room in your belt loops too for pizza every Friday night. That's a lot of pizza. Yeah. Some people do that. <laughs> that that's true. Well, that when, when my wife and I started, but she's a budget officer, so it, kind of easy to do it and count it. So, but we started our budget and you just start to watch how your money goes, which is one of the things you talk about is, is, is pay attention to where your money goes. Don't just assume that, you know, you, as long as the bank clears the card, then it, you must have money in the bank, but you direct where your money goes. Then you start to see things, things pop up. I know for us, it was restaurants. We were like, wait a minute, we're spending way too much money on just restaurants and it's restricting the other things that we could do. And we were kind of like you were with the car. It's like, which would I rather have a three or $400 car payment or say eight days in Ireland? I know mm. somebody's listening to this going, well, I always wanted to go to Ireland. What's well, not too hard if your car payment's not three, $400 a month, you could probably go to Ireland yeah. next year. Be pretty easy. Exactly. A lot of people hear the word budget and they're like, ah, oh, I don't want to do a budget. It's going to restrict me and uh, they're terrible to do. I had a great analogy the other week and I don't remember the book I was reading about driving a car. Once you go out and you get your license, you know, you've got to follow the rules. You've got to follow, generally follow the speed limit. I mean, you don't drive down um, into the lake. You don't swerve around driving different lanes. You, you're used to following rules of the road, and it keeps you safe. It gets you to point A to point B safely without injuring yourself, anybody else, your family in the back of the car. The spending plan is the exact same thing. It gets you from point A to point B safely. It's still fun to travel. I mean, you get, you get there, you have a good time doing it, but it's more freeing and not as constricting as people say it is. Absolutely. You get to decide what you want to do. And, and, you know, you mentioned your book, so clearly you can afford a car that's less than 10 years old, but that's not a priority for you. You would rather go on the trips and do the things that you want to do. So tell us a little bit about the book and what, what people can learn from that book and, and what's the title of it? The book I wrote is called 99 Minute Millionaire. <laughs> On my show, probably the second most popular question I get is, how do I get started investing? It's made out to be extremely complex, especially by the people on Wall Street. <laughs> we don't learn it growing up. I lost $40,000 in the stock market when I was in my early 20s uh, because I didn't know anything about investing. I read the wrong books. <laughs> so, and I did everything wrong investing that you could. Penny stocks, day trading, investing in commodities, startup companies. <laughs> I mean, I would be sitting at my desk at work four or five times a day looking at stocks and buying and selling. And I lost a bunch of money. And then I got my 
turning point where I realized, oh, that's not the best way to invest. There's another way out there. I wrote this book from the standpoint of you don't even have to know what a stock is. You don't even have to know why, what investing is. I go in and define that as well. And I challenge myself, can I do it in 99 minutes or wow. less? That's where the 99-minute millionaire comes in. Can someone read this book in 99 minutes on average reading speed, go, not knowing anything about investing? By the time you finish the book, you're an investor, and you beat 95% of Wall Street professionals. Wow. That must have really irritated the people that think they're so smart and they wear the expensive suits. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of like Vegas. All those places are nice because they make money off of you. All those guys on Wall Street have a lot of money because they make money off of you. I love that yeah. title, 99-Minute Millionaire, too. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Show to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. And I just want to be clear, this is, the book is not Scott's investing philosophy. It's <laughs> all based on academic research, Nobel Prize winning economists, people who are super smart, like PhDs. All I do is I have a, I have a gift of, I can take you know, the really smart people's language and break it down into simple terms that anybody can understand. I love that. And it's available on Amazon. You know, you got to go out there and get something that's in 99 minutes, you're going to be able to at least be better off financially. You know, even if you say, well, I don't want to be in the stock market, you're going to learn some tips from this book that will start to save you money quickly. It is so, so simple language. What is it on Kindle? 99 cents on Kindle. I mean, you can't really beat that. Yeah, I try to get it as many people's <laughs> hands as I can. I think we're up to like 150 five-star reviews now. So people people get it. They read it. It's like, oh, I finally understand investing. You're up to 169 now, by the way. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And you can get it on Audible. So if you can't yeah. read it in 99 minutes, you can listen to it. 995 on Aud uh, Audible and then um, 1395 if you like a good old-fashioned paperback. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Who buys those anymore? I got a uh, bunch of them at home. <laughs> if there's in front of me, I'll buy one. But yeah, yeah, Kindle, it's a lot faster. I'm like, I want it now. Okay, I can I start reading it. <laughs> well, I love that. So, so what is your day to day? I know that you also have a show. So, tell us a little bit about that and how people could check that out. Sure thing. I started get into getting into personal financing and teaching it to others about two years ago. That gets back to you know I get to work because I want to. So I decided I want to teach people personal finance. I want to teach them to avoid all the stupid mistakes <laughs> that I made, <laughs> and have them be able to live an awesome life and achieve the, the goals and the dreams that they want to as quickly as possible without going through all those financial pitfalls. So my show, The Scott Allen Turner Show, I do it three days a week. And primarily, I just answer listener questions. They'll email or send me a voicemail, everything from, hey, I've got a quarter million dollars in debt. Uh, what's <laughs> the best way to attack this? Or, you know, I've got $2 million in uh, assets over here. What's the best way to make that work for me, make it last? I love that because I know somebody's listening and they're thinking, well, yeah, but, you know, I've got like massive debt. I've got overwhelming debt and, you know, the bank's calling the, 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 
repo guys standing outside. I'm about to lose everything. You know, is this a show that can even reach that audience of people that are like almost lost completely? Can they still learn something from listening to this show? Oh, absolutely. I've got a great story. One of my now friends, he contacted me. We become friends through the show. He lives up in New York City. He was going through a bankruptcy at the time. Actually, it was pre-bankruptcy, and he's trying to figure out he had a, a lot of debt from a medical situation that he was having to deal with, trying to do some debt consolidation, which got him into trouble because he chose a, a poor company to work with. And we went through that. I gave him some advice. And now about 18 months later, he's on the flip side of that. He's got a 700 plus credit score. He's got almost $15,000 saved in that short period of time. I mean, his his whole life has done a a 180. And it was just a a pleasure to be able to help him and see him go through that. That's what I love about what you do is, is, is your payment, you know, kind of your joy comes from seeing people not mired in that debt to see them free and, and tell, I'm sure they share stories with you. Hey, me and my wife are going to Ireland now, or, you know, we finally bought our own house and we're not renting anymore and we're not, you know, just struggling and avoiding the phone calls anymore. It's that kind of freedom that you're really helping people to get to. Yeah, it's extremely rewarding. Another story, Steve and Laura, they're out in, I think they're up in Maryland. Another set of listeners that I met helped Steve through a number of questions that he had over the past 18 months. I think it was probably four or five weeks ago, Laura sent me an email. It was a picture of them on the beach in the middle of the week. <laughs> she said, <laughs> yeah. oh, we just decided to take a couple of days off. We're camping at the beach. We would not have been able to do this uh, without following your advice. So it's rewarding and awesome to get stories like that. That's cool. There's just a freedom that comes with having your finances in order. I mean, it, yes, that's that's all I can say is yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny because my my son that's a welder, I, I talk about him a lot because he's got his finances in order. Not that the other kids have yet, but they're getting there. Uh, but he got laid off, which happens a lot in welding and, and the refinery kind of field. But he didn't have to get another job for about two and a half months because he had built up this savings. Of course, at the time, he was about 19. He lived at home. So he had a little bit of leeway there, but uh, he could he could wait a little bit to find the right job. He didn't have to just go out there and get a restaurant job or whatever. He, he got to choose what he wanted to do, which is part of that freedom. I did that three, four, five years ago where I didn't have to go right back to work. I could stay the whole summer I spent with the kids and kind of hung out, then started working in, I think, September, August, September, something like that, because I'd saved up money and was able to do that. Yeah, and it is it is certainly freeing. It gives you better sleep at night. Uh, something I try to help as many people as possible achieve, and I think everyone should aspire to have that lifestyle or that goal. And no matter where you happen to be, whether you're in the quarter million dollars in debt or the $50,000 debt, whatever your personal life situation is, there's there's a path out to get to that. So it's not beyond anybody to achieve it. Now, sometimes when you're when you're teaching this and you're talking about it, and I'm sure when you were writing the book, did it hit you that that you wouldn't have listened to somebody like you when you were there? Did you kind of identify with that guy that was like, yeah, that this guy got lucky or something happened or whatever, but that won't work for me? There's that component of it, and then there's that that we think uh, we're so, so, so smart. <laughs> so I was in that camp. I remember a conversation I was having with my college professor. He was a PhD. He was one of the computer science professors. I think it was my senior year. And we were in one of the rooms, and he says, you know, when you get out, 
you should save 10% of your money, uh, give 10% of your money the way, and then live off the other 80%. And I, I just laughed at him. I said, come on, dude. I'm not going to start doing that. I'll just save 20% when I'm 40 years old. Because right, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know anything about compound interest. And the sooner you start, a lot of people have heard this story. You know, I, I'm not going to get the math of the numbers right. Start saving $1,000 at age 20, but I time you're at age 25 and then you can stop. But the good dude who starts at age 40 has to save $20,000 right. a month for the next uh, 50 years. And he's not going to have as much. That is so true though. When my son was right before his 19th birthday, we convinced or right before his 20th birthday. That's what it was. He was 19 the day before we started his IRA and they didn't have the chart that went to 20. It started at 25. But when I did the math for him and showed him, if you do $200 a month starting at age 20, when you're in your, I think when you're 41, I think it was, you he had like $1.1 million. And yeah, the compound interest tables that they have out there, and I include one in my book as well, several of them, in fact, uh, they're very powerful. Until you see it in before you written on the page, right. it's really hard to understand and grasp that, wow. You know, this, this stuff really does work. If I start early enough, then I can save a really tiny amount of money. I don't have to save it for my entire life. And you end up with way, way more money than someone who starts later in life. Right. And I, w- I picked the $200 for him because I said, you know, you were going to get a brand new truck, which would have been about $500 a month payment for the latest Toyota Tacoma with all the stuff. And he ended up with about a $250 payment because he got an older truck. I said that extra $200, just sticking that away. That's it. No matter what happens in life, just leave that, keep it going and ignore it. When you're 40, you're going to be a millionaire. Even if you don't do anything, you'll be there. Now he's doing some other things too, but that simple $200 is like, you know, for me with family of five or five kids, it's like, that's dinner, you know, a couple of, couple of times a month, that's dinner. $200 is really pretty easy for most people. If you really kind of apply it and you're going to blow it anyway. So why not, <laughs> you know, blow it on something that's going to go earn money yeah. for you in the long run. Absolutely. Well, man, this has been great. Thanks for joining us and just giving us all that great advice. There's so many things that people, uh, we barely scratched the surface on the things that the tips. And like you said, they're, they're super, super simple from some smart people. You've taken some charts and some, some great knowledge, but you've really compressed it down into some simple language. And I know people are going to appreciate that and they're going to get to learn so much more from you. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. I like to say, you know, I don't have a really extensive vocabulary, which makes me uh, easy to communicate <laughs> with people. <laughs> so, that that awesome. does work. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah. Keep it simple. People <laughs> yeah. don't need the big words. Fifth, fifth, fifth grade, simple. Fifth grade math. That's uh, what I like. <laughs> it it kind of reminds me when I was going through college, I was a chemistry biology major. I'll try to keep a short story. Uh, in any case, you know, any paper I had to write for my major had to be a long, like a short paper was 10 pages long. And then I had friends who were business majors and they were like, we don't have time to read your report. Just get to the point. So like a long paper was, I think, two pages long. Like you had to be able to succinctly state what you were going for in as plain language as possible. And and I remember scoffing at that. But, you know, 20 some odd years later, it's like. Those guys know how to write. Exactly. (laughs) I have a business degree, not a chemistry degree. People get what they're trying to say. And me, I can't seem to land the plane. So uh, I envy them 20 years later. So Scott, tell us what's the best way to get a hold of you to get, other than Amazon, you can find the book. What's the best way to get a hold of you and check out your show? Sure. My website is Turner, A-L-A-N, turner.com. 
and that has all my contact information there. People can reach out, send me questions, which I, that's what I do on my show. And that'll have a link to the show as well. And I, I love hearing from people. I love helping people out. So I'd be more than happy to uh, answer questions. Awesome. And you're on Twitter. You're all over the place. So you're pretty easy to get in contact with. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Scott, for joining us. And uh, we will uh, talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Jerry. If you like everything you heard in this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 103, as in 103, as in three episodes past 100. There on the show notes, you're going to find links to Scott Allen Turner's website, scottallenturner.com. You're going to find a link to his book, which you really need to get, The 99-Minute Millionaire. And don't just read it, but apply it. Now, Scott has a lot of knowledge. He didn't share this in the interview, but we we learned from doing our research on him that he's read over 200 books on personal finance. So if he's going to take the best notes from 200 books, simplify it and deliver it to you so you can make yourself a millionaire after just reading it for 99 minutes, that is a brilliant idea. So go to our website, beyondtherut.com slash 103. Click on the link for his book, The 99 Minute Millionaire. That's all we got for this episode. We'd love to hear from you, so shoot us an email, info at beyondtherut.com, and then we'd love to answer you and just chat with you and all that good stuff. And with that said, before we catch you again on next week's episode, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. years and he's not going to have as much and uh yeah the wall just fell down on me there awesome (laughs) kids are breaking into the room right now oh is that what happened (laughs) i saw a little face go by (laughs) i don't care who you are or what you have kids will still destroy you (laughs) that's awesome you know the best thing i love about cap show is that they have one of the best communities ever as a cap chauvian myself I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Capshow team today and join me inside that community.